Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I am your host, Michelle, a creative on a journey to better storytelling. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here. We're happy to bring back a great friend of the podcast, Buna, who first graced the Musty Creative Podcast with his presence on episode 47. Buna and Jesus have kept in touch since then, sharing stories about content creation and most recently NFTs. Buna has a successful podcast where he is documenting the pioneers of Web3, and you will have the pleasure of hearing what Buna has learned so far. So strap in, we're visiting the metaverse. All right, I have Buna on. Buna was on episode 47 of the Musty Crave Podcast way long ago. We're on episode... Episode? What episode are we on now? We're, we're probably going to be episode 132, most likely. So, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking I did a lot with... I mean, man, like, one, one, 132? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Holy moly. Yes, um, yes sir. But, no, we, we obviously appreciate Buna. We've kept in contact since then. Uh, always yeah. just jumping into conversations here and there on the Discord or on Twitter. Love the work that you're doing on the Bonafide Podcast. You're also a content creator. You're also a NFT guru. Helped me go through my first <laughs> like NF- <laughs> NFT journey, buy my first NFT. So we're going to get into it today. But uh, let's just catch up. Yep. Just if you can give us like a quick little intro of, of who you are, what you're doing in the space, and yep. how you got into NFTs and Web3 in the first place. Man, that's a that's a loaded question. I just had a lot of coffee too, so I hope you're prepared let's for that. Let's go, let's go. Um, yeah. So so I you know what one thing the only thing I will the only thing I will correct you on, yes, and sir. it's completely okay, yeah. is I will I will I don't I'm a little bit sensitive to the term guru. Okay, um, for sure. No I problem. like when I because I've and chalk that up to web too, right? Yeah. Like anytime I see a guru in the space, yeah. I run. I'm like that's fair. They are they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. They're a grifter. Like, so I, you know, like, to, to be fair just to you, love- you don't have like a video coming out of a, of a, of a car, a, a very fancy no. car and saying, Hey, come here, come here. I'm going to show you something. So you're not doing that. We appreciate you. No, 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 man. I just, I love this space. I love technology. Um, one of the, the best way to really encapsulate, um, why I love this space so much and why I'm incredibly passionate about it is that, you know, you were around, you were probably, you probably got to understand the historical significance with a little bit more context than I did just because of how young I was. But I was, uh, when the iPhone first came out, um, I remember I was, I think I was like 14 years old, Mm. like 13, you know, 14, 15 years old, something like that. I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and I remember like, first and foremost, like Steve jobs is like one of the people I looked up to the most, like with his, just his design philosophy, his creativity, and just his immaculate presentation skills like that dude, there's there's not many people that can do it like him. And I love his vision. Um, Steve Jobs like his vision, oh, just amazing. Dude. Yeah, he was now behind the scenes apparently he's a very tough person. He was yeah. a very tough person to work yeah. with. Made some questionable decisions. That's yeah. not what this podcast is about, right. but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. you know, true brilliance. Yeah. Um and I remember when he pulled that phone out of his pocket mm. and I remember getting goosebumps standing in front of the computer like I think I was standing in front of the computer like but just watching it and I remember thinking 
like this is going to change the world. Mm. Like I remember tell, like at 14, 15 years old, I'm like, this product is going to change the way we do everything. Yeah. And because he was just like a phone and yeah. uh, an internet, like, it, you know, the internet device, yes. an iPod right. in your pocket. Right. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. The energy was palpable, man. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. And I get goosebumps talking about it now, man. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the crazy part is that I knew how big that was going to be, but I didn't have like, you know, at 14 or 15, we don't have any like real world skills and we barely experienced a decade of life and we have no clue what any of this means right. um, or how to apply that. Uh, so that passion kind of just went away. And the way I supported that passion or the way I, I dove into that was I went and bought the $400 non 3g, no app store four Ooh. gigabyte iPhone. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. Like, so like I stood in line, I, all of the money that I had saved up, I spent it all on that, Nice, you know? And so nice. you could, that's like a lot of how I, I look back a lot of my financial decisions around technology and innovation and passion makes sense. Cause I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you're, so you're I what was, they call in the space, like a, not a first responder, but you're a first mover. First mover. Like a, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, anything that's like new, that's going to change the way we do things. I'm always a fan of. Yeah. Um, exactly. and so that and it's also coupled when I when I first found my creative spark to like want to do something for myself and create something on my own and put something out there in the world that was uniquely mine, you know that was around 2017 2018, kind of around, not quite the peak but a very very mature what we call Web two which is like the birth of mobile and e commerce and like you know like what we do like when Amazon you know, all these different tools and social media apps that we use that's the birth of Web two, yeah. but I I started to realize the more I created content on that platform I was like what I'm competing for is getting consistently narrower and narrower and narrower. Mm. And there's not many people that are actually going to make it. Yes. Like it's, yeah. it's, and I just remember, and I also remember thinking, I'm like, what do I actually have to become to get, to, to get that slice of the pie? Mm. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I shouldn't have to become anybody. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like I shouldn't have to like be, this persona i shouldn't have to be this person that i'm not right. i shouldn't have to like put on this facade and this like you know grandiose thing like i'm grandiose as is i don't need a facade yeah right like <laughs> i don't need any i don't need any cover that's just me genuinely yeah just be but yourself I remember thinking yeah yeah but i didn't know what that meant at that time yeah. either like i had no clue what that means um but i remember th it was a so it was a combination of a couple things it was the that just inner passion of like be, wanting to see new things and like be on the forefront of innovation um but i i really suppressed that because there was nothing that really that i found that was that big uh, that i really wanted to like learn more about i'm like okay this is cool yeah. and like you know vr is cool ar is cool like but it, it didn't it didn't it didn't like strike that you know that core that nerve that just you know, exploded. Um, yeah, like it's not grabbing then, you. You need something to grab you. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't grab you. me. Yeah. Not that it wasn't cool, right. but it wasn't enough for me to just like nerd out and go down rabbit holes right. and like, you know, you know, just look at it. So it was a combination of a couple of things. It was the suppression of that. Also a mild depression of like, damn, is this really it? You know, like mm. with content creation, I'm oh, like, wow. is this like what I'm competing for? I'm like, is this kind of like, because I started creating on Twitch. Mm. You know, I, I did video game streaming and I did this and I, I did that. Um, and then I started podcasting because I didn't really enjoy the live audience that much. I didn't, you know, I felt myself competing for attention and, yeah. you know, sacrificing gameplay. And like, then my teammates are yelling at me, but then I'm not engaging with my community. I'm not having 18 conversations along while I'm playing. The, it just, it was, it's, it was too much. For it's me. a lot. It's a lot. 
and god bless the people that can do it yeah. like i'm just not one of those people yeah. that can do it full time well just a quick um, side note it's interesting too right like some of the biggest content creators on twitch who started in games then quickly move over to just conversation right and they yeah. they want to speak on things that they're interested in and build a community around yeah. that you know it's, yeah. it's very interesting that pattern yeah yeah man it, it is man and you bring up a good point so that brought me to you know the next point i said well i love esports and if you rewind back a little bit um the whole reason for starting this journey and the whole reason i'm even here in this space is is two events it was a thought followed by a reaction mm -hmm. um a thought followed by two reactions and i'll explain what that means in a minute a thought was i said you know what i'm going to create i want to think of this goal a goal that's so ridiculous that i have no experience in doing that mm -hmm. i but i want to accomplish it wow and so that goal, and it still remains true today, even though, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I want to run and operate my own esports team. Right. And, right. and so that was what I started off with. I'm like, okay, but I have no money. I have no experience in the industry. I have no connections. I've never even been to an esports event. Mm. So it was like, how in the world am I going to accomplish this? Right. Wow. So big goal, right? Still a big goal. Yeah. Um, so when I vocalize this, so that's thought number one. Then I vocalized it to my parents. This is two conversations I've or two reactions. I vocalized it to my parents. Yeah. Got a very um like, yeah, okay, whatever yeah. <laughs> kind of reaction. So so that was number one. Yeah. Right. Um, which it's okay. It's it's a it's you know, not it's a very big goal and yeah. given my history and track record, is a really logical response. It's mm. pretty fair. Um and then when I said that to my grandfather, it was before my grandfather passed, mm. um, and I was I was visiting him before he passed. And when I told that to him, he just gave me this look mm. and gave me these big old eyes and like that look that grandparents give you, man. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm so proud of you. And he started crying and I was oh, like, wow. okay, that, that is all I ever need. Like yeah. that, that makes this goal like that just like set all these things in motion. Yeah. So that started streaming on Twitch, you know, telling my story, playing games, building a small community. That's where it started. Yeah. So that's the whole reason I'm even here. Um, so if you go back to where we left, where I left off, stopped enjoying Twitch, getting back into, got into podcasting yep. and, uh, and I just, I wanted to shine a light on the esports industry because I genuinely believe that this is here to say it's very valid Yes, and it's something I'm deeply passionate about and I have been passionate about for a long time. And I wanted to shine a light to show all of the different, uh, I want to show, I wanted to show all of the different spots in esports that people could build a career in. Yeah. Like whether you're a content creator, whether you're an audio engineer, whether you're visual effects, whether you're a graphics, you know, do you enjoy making graphics or an animator, right? you know, production, like anything and everything. So I just, I started finding people, literally casters, you know, uh, esports org owners, players, content, just purebred content creators, not even esports professionals. I wanted to shine a light to help inspire people that this was real. Yeah. And if I helped one parent, if I helped maybe change their mind or help them have an open mind, or if I gave some kid that wanted to create something for themselves, the ammunition and the firepower and the motivation to actually do something, that was what I viewed success as. Mm, that's um, awesome. Still very deeply passionate about it, even though I'm like talking about JPEGs <laughs> and weird technologies and stuff yeah. now and, and talking about fine art, yeah. I still genuinely believe that. Yeah. Like it's still a very, it's still very close to my heart. Um, but then I'll tell you, man, um, I saw that Beeple sale back in right. 2021, right. like a lot of people, I think a lot of people came into NFTs yeah. during that event. 
That's the. Uh, remember thinking. How much did I go for? It was like sixty something million. Sixty nine million dollars. Yeah. Sixty nine four hundred four hundred twenty thousand. Right. So playing on the meme. Yeah. Um, if you. <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. It's that's a very. Uh, it's very deeply rooted in the crypto community and. It's a uh, very int- it was very intentional. Right. right. Very intentional. Yeah. Provenance. It's history. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, that sparked my curiosity because I I just remember having so many questions. I was like, okay, how did someone just pay this much money for an image right. on a computer? Right. And instead of having this like knee jerk reaction, of, I could just right click save it. I was just, how the hell did they do that? Right. Like what? sparked that why is there value in this i need to figure out more about it so um i'll spare some of the some of the details but long long story short that clubhouse chat where Mm. they had the two buyers of that beeple piece and they had justin blau and they had a couple what i didn't know at the time just really really influential figures that have been building well before i was in the space they were talking about like you know digital identity and they were talking about uh, self-sovereignty and they were mm. talking about trustless permission they were talking about a trustless you know trustless like code and i'm like and these virtual lands and i'm like oh my god like yeah. i sail and i i told that steve job story because this tapped into that exact same like feeling th- yeah that feeling yeah. and i'm like man i don't know i don't know what this is i don't know how to articulate it with words mm. um i i i only taught reached out to one person who i remotely knew that might understand it and he did yeah i thank god yeah um but i just remember becoming obsessed and i just went down this rabbit hole and i started what is a blockchain you know because i knew about blockchains but i just wasn't you know i didn't i didn't do any homework on it what is a blockchain what is bitcoin how is that started what is ethereum why is that important what is what is proof of work what is proof like proof of stake how how does (laughs) proof of stake how does how does all this work you know what i mean and I just, why is, why is a public decentralized ledger important? You know, yeah. like that's, those are all of the questions that I had to ask. Cause I, I said, okay, if this, this thing is selling for $69 million and you can bake royalties into this and I was like, okay, this all makes sense. Yeah. Now, how does it work? the importance of having a publicly decentralized blockchain? Mm, that is a, that is a great question. So one of, one of the biggest values of that is transparency mm. and trust. Yes. All right. So the tra- transparency, number one. So what you're, what you're seeing right now, and you're no stranger to it. Just if you open the New York times or time or, you know, any, any news magazine, um, it's no, there's no doubt that there is, a severe lack of trust with within yeah. the entire world right. with what people are doing with our money right. with how politicians are you know spending this with how they're acting there there's there is no secret that like not many people trust this government and yeah. what this allows people to do is create something meaningfully and 
the reason why public is valuable and it's not just public it's not just a public decentralized ledger it's that it cannot and what is also in there is that it cannot be erased right it's immutable it's public and immutable and decentralized mm, yeah. so you look at going you know so going back to why a public ledger just public decentralized matters is that say you run a business and you're on aws web servers right when aws goes down everything else goes down yeah, yeah. um now there is value to having that you know twitter has you know like a a, a server farm and like you know all these right. places have a server it's, right there is value in that right but what it allows people to do is to transact publicly and when you're uh, when you are doing that when it's something that cannot be erased you actually put trust mechanisms that take the i'm trying to look for the word i'm going all over the place no, no, but problem, no problem. what it allows what what it allows people to do is that it takes away the element of like, can I trust this person to, to transact or make a transaction? Right. And it allows for more authentic creation. So like it adds it the puts, accountability layer for you. It adds the accountability. Yes, yeah. that was what I was looking for. Yeah. It incentivizes the right behavior. Yes. It, it doesn't mean bad actors are not going to participate. We've seen it. Right. It's going to happen. Right. Cryptocurrency didn't invent scammers. Cryptocurrency didn't invent, you know, money laundering. Yes. <laughs> Actually, the, the best way to launder money, this is financial advice for people who want to launder money. <laughs> The best way to do it was cold hard, cold hard. Yeah, cash. right. It's still the best way. To, it's still the best way to launder money. You don't want to launder money on a public decentralized ledger that then so people can track so it say, and follow you. Right. So even though it is decentralized and the wallet isn't tied to your identity, guess what? Every exchange, when you go to cash out, which you ultimately right. will, every exchange has a KYC or what's called Know Your Customer Law, Ooh. where they have your identity yeah. and they have your address and they have literally everything on you. Right. So. Like now, unless if you're keeping it in the ecosystem, then okay, you might get away with yeah. it. Yeah. But we're not at the point right now where you know, like, there's not a whole lot of products to buy with Bitcoin. Yeah. Um. You know, there is stuff with Ethereum, yada, yada, you know, so on and so forth. That's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But the the idea, the 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 main value is to provide an account accountability layer to financial transactions. Yes. You know, and it allows people to create openly, honestly, and drive value in a public decentralized way where no one has to worry about if they they know exactly what they're buying. Yeah. No, that's that's beautiful. Yep. That's beautiful. And yeah, so I know for some of our community, they know about this. If you're on the newsletter, if you're not on the newsletter, sign up. But uh, for others who aren't uh, a part of this world yet and still are curious, asking questions, thank you so much for that introduction. So yep. when we talk about this, this publicly accountable, immutable ledger, right, and we talk about art pieces going back to the, the big sale of 2021 and now what we mm. call NFTs, you know, how did you yep. get into into this space and, and get further along the, the journey that you're on now and, and discover this world of, of Web3? Right. Sure. And I want to just go back. Just want to go back real quick to the previous. Oh, segment. yeah. No problem. I with with my experience and knowledge and expertise, you know, I I am more fascinated by what we're going to get into is the cultural side and the NFT and how this impacts content creators and how how things are monetized and the power structures that are changing um so that's you know when it comes to like all the different use cases and applications of blockchain yeah. there is ones that are far beyond me um one of the one of the examples i will give it was actually a really cool idea that i read in a magazine or not a magazine it was on a, it was an internet article is that you know there's a big demand for like farm to table fresh ingredients when it comes mm. to the food that we put in our bodies True. you know what if you had a decentralized ledger that showed exactly where that food came from and you could document it every time it hit a certain spot Yes. and every time it changed hands, every time an exchange was made and you could tie that wallet to a company 
you could say it was there for this this uh length of time you know is it fresh is it this that's actually a really cool concept yeah you know what no, I mean? that's great like, you know it, yeah it's it was a really cool concept i'm like why is no one else like freaking out like i am i'm like that's actually kind of cool yeah like very cool um now it's that's not my passion but i was like when i was learning and in, in doc and like trying to figure out how this all worked i'm like that's really neat yeah you know oh, um yeah. so think think about things that could be better like you that would benefit from having it public right there's certain things that may not need to be public right you know like obviously companies you know like i think companies internally would benefit from internal blockchains yeah. or corporate blockchains mm -hmm. not necessarily public to the you know to you and me there are some things that do need to be public i'm not this thing where like everything just always needs to be public all the time yeah. and this it, that's maximalism that's never going to work yeah. you know that's just not reality. it reminds me of um, um interview mark zuckerberg had years ago right where he's like <laughs> yeah all your information should be public by default anyways right and obviously he's walked that right. back but you know yeah yeah he's walked that back quite yeah. a bit um we can we can get into zuck there's a lot of there's a lot of things to talk about yeah. zuck, uh as well but how i how i came in here was the once i understood once I understood how kind of the, just at a fundamental level, how this technology worked, what the benefit of this was, um, why it's important. Um, the second piece to it is self-sovereignty. And yes. one, one thing I mentioned earlier in that story and self-sovereignty means that like when I have a wallet that I have money in, that is censorship, that is censor, censorship resistant to any, mm. to any government or to any power, like to any authority, like any authority figure. Right. Meaning that uh, no government can come in and take my funds without having my private key, mm, you know? Wow. So it's, it's the accountability layer. It's, you know, public decentralized ledger, all activities are publicly available for people to go back and look on chain data analysis, this and that there's, there's a whole, there's a whole thing around that. But, and you may be asking, why does that matter? Like what, like, you know, the bank still insures my money FDIC up to 250 K there. That's valuable. Yeah. Like that's still like, obviously I still use banks. Like I'm still like, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to say, I'm like, go F the banks. I'm never going to use it again. Yeah. I still use one. But if you look at a recent event that happened in Canada, I'm not sure if you remember that when the Canadian truckers went on strike yeah, I do remember because that. of some of the COVID laws. Right. If you read into that, what the Canadian government did was they froze any bank account that transferred money to those truckers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So you may freak out. Like, so you may ask like, okay, well, Kyle, like that, like, you know, the government's never going to take my money unless I do something seriously wrong. It's like, well, what if they deem it's wrong and it's actually not that wrong? Right. Or it disagrees with your values. Right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You know, what if you like because the free, the right to transact is 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 technically freedom of speech. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the like we have a it's a fundamental right to transact. Right. Like voting with your dollar. Right. And they cease. Exactly. To, if they try to block you from voting with your dollar. Yeah. That's that's a super good point. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. A little bit of punk six, five, two, nine. It was one of his threads that yeah. I that I read up on. And that's it, that was in there. That's where I got that concept from. Right. And what changed helped change my mind, but that's that's a scary thing. If the government can just hit a button and freeze your account, now granted that was a very small minority, but still the fact yeah. that they can do that. You look at China; they have a centralized currency right. where they're getting rid of money, and and everything is controlled by the government, and it's all digital. Yeah. That means they have the power to move it, to change it, to alter it, to freeze it, to do whatever. That is terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> like that is really terrifying. Mm. So. You know, you can say a lot of this is fear mongering. A lot of this is like, okay, but there's real like, if you think about that, the fact that they just because they could doesn't mean they're always going to. But just the fact that that's possible. Oh yeah, that's that's something to like just be cognizant of and like chew on a little bit and think about that. Um, 
So I want to I want to go back to your original question. I just like there's there's a oh, lot no, no. to that piece. No, I appreciate it. Um, but how how I got into more of the art side and the NFT and the culture side was just when when I was researching, there wasn't that many NFT projects that were very big that there, there were to research. So it's actually a very it was actually convenient for me. Yeah. It was actually really helpful to me that there wasn't that much to research. Had had there the Board Ape Yacht Club come out by that time? So it was it was right in the middle of my research that that was released. Got you. So not technically technically yes technically no. Right. So it was like yes and no. Yeah. Um, the projects I researched were two of them, CryptoKitties, which I didn't really give much attention to, and CryptoPunks. Yeah. And I went down the rabbit hole with CryptoPunks. Yeah. I'm like, why are these things? They're eight bit characters. Why are they so valuable? Like, what is this? What like, it's 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 literally a digital image, and so. There's a lot to unpack with CryptoPunks and I'll give the sh I'll give the even the condensed version is a lot. So if you go back number 1, if you go back to anything that's ever created the brand like anything technological that's brand new, it's slow, it's clunky. Look at the Atari, it's 8-bit. Yeah. It's like look at the video games that were first created. Yep. They were terribly made, yeah. <laughs> right? So, we've been very spoiled with just rapid innovation oh, yeah. and graphics and like special effects and movies and games. So it's natural when people see these things and they're so valuable, they're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not art. That's not cool. That's not like, it's not, it didn't take any talent to create. Yeah. So there, but actually it did. Um, and if you go, if you go back to the ethos of crypto, you know, I've only been around in this space for a little over a year. Um, but there's people that have been here since 2010, 2011, oh, 2012, 2013, yeah. for over 10 years, yeah. right? The amount of criticism and um, and arguments and being the laughing stock and being the butt of every joke that they had to be a part of, naturally people that were early, like super early to crypto were typically people that were on the outskirts. Mm. Like they believed in something even when it wasn't really valuable. Yeah. Like they saw something here they believed in a narrative. They thought that this could really change the world despite, in spite of what other people yeah. thought, including myself. I was one of those people that just, I wasn't against it in 2014, 2015, but I was just like, y'all are a bunch of nerds. Like, I don't see anything like, like no, this, he, is, this is Even dumb. as a software engineer, I, I got some crypto back in 23rd, <laughs> no, 2015 or so, like pretty yeah, early yeah. on. And I was like, yeah. I could have, if I just put a hundred dollars in, man, Buna, yeah, I, I exactly. promise you, I would, it's like, no, I was like, right. this is too early. It's not going to really pop off. It's dumb. Yeah. Right. It was dumb. Yeah. It was stupid. It wasn't, you know, like I wasn't going to go make fun of these people, right. but I wasn't going to participate in the ecosystem. Yes, right. Sir. Yeah. Um, cause as a nerd, I couldn't, I couldn't bash my, you know, like, yeah. this, you know, um, so I was like a oh, cool, you know, y'all play with your internet monopoly money and like, you know, I'll just <laughs> continue. Like I was, I was also really early in my career and I didn't know, like I was still just trying to figure out my own way. Yeah. Um, and so, so if you look back at the culture and the ethos of crypto is always people that are naturally kind of outsiders, people that are more isolationists or people that are more loners, people that are like, you know, typically not, they don't really do well in crowds or people that, but they're super smart. Like, you know, those, those people at parties that like hang out with the dog, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> that's me um, I, and big parties. I didn't, I never liked big parties. And so I would always, anytime I found myself, which is very rare at a big party, I would just go find the dog wherever the dog was. I'd go find the dog. Wow. Cause like I'd, I'd rather associate with the dog than people. Wow. Um, you know, so um, if you look at the ethos of that, and it's also kind of like, kind of like counterculture and punk rock, mm -hmm. it's upsetting the establishment, very rage against the machine, right. if you will. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like just super rebellious. So if you look at, if you take all those aspects, 
what what John and I can't remember his name. I, John and Matt. I'm not sure if I got that right, but the two founders of um, uh, Larva Labs um, created CryptoPunks, and this was back in 2017. It's 2017 or 2018. Yeah. Um, and they there was no like really fancy mint and buttons that we have now, right. and like you know there was none of the tools that we have now. Like to actually mint one of these things, you had to really know what you were doing. Like so. So what they did was they said, hey, let's play around some c- with computer generated art. Yeah. You know, so let's like let, let's look up like let's do generative art. Let's give this a shot. Because what I didn't know at the time was that there was actually a very thriving generative art community, mm. um, which is essentially creating art with code. Nice. You yeah. Know? So it's something that technology can do that humans can't and like putting some algorithms and putting some numbers and doing this. And like you get to make a piece of work that, you know, you may not have thought of before because it was randomly generated yeah. by but the art was code that you put in. The beauty was what you input into it. And right. then the computer did its own thing. So that community historically hadn't gotten a bunch of love, but generative art is very representative of just the growth of technology in general. Like that's a really new art form that couldn't have been done before technology right. that came around or before computers came out. So there's a, there was a, it was almost like a, a, a an art that was just like waiting to explode. It was waiting for the right moment to like really shine. And, CryptoPunks at the time, they just, they created all of these traits and said, hey, let's create 10,000 punks. You know, these like counterculture, like 8-bit things. And also the reason it's 8-bit is because the data is stored on chain. Right. You know, so like the data could be stored on chain. Right. Which is a huge deal. And keep it, and keep so, it small. Right. Keep it small. So this file size was small enough where it could be on chain. So this didn't, the, <laughs> there's things blockchain does well and there's things that it doesn't yeah. do well. And, and storing data is not, it's not one of those things that does very well. Right. Or starting lot. Storing large data is not something it does right. well. Um, so they did these and they just ran them through a generator and these punks came out and you could just claim them for free. Oh, like, really? They were free. They were free. And, you know, so they literally gave them away very much like a Steve Jobs, like building the Mac in his garage kind of like thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there was, it was created by these two guys that were like, this is, this would be kind of cool, man. Mm. Let's like play around with some generative thing, generative things and like, you know, Ethereum, you can program and create smart contracts. Let's let's like try this out just as a fun experiment. Yeah. You know, but what happened was that gave crypto an identity like that mm. gave these people, these early adopters, these early believers. It gave them an image and it gave them an identity where they could tie that they could tie it to that. Yeah. Um, and that's super important. Definitely. You know, like and for people that don't think that's important, you know, why is your digital identity always better than how you look in person? Mm. Like, why do you always flex your image for Instagram? But in, but you know, like when you're not on camera, you're not posing, striking a pose. Like you're just kind of like a regular person. Right. You know right. what I mean? So digital identity matters. Yeah, it does. And so you're giving an identity to people that believed in a very innovative technology that had historically gotten crapped on for numbers of years um, through adversity, through all these things. And, and, it, and it survived. Yeah. So you, you've now given an identity to these people and, you know, and a community was formed around it, you know, so there was a discord and there was, you know, like I got to go into the punks discord and look at some of these people. And, and especially in those days, like punks, most punks were like, you could generally assume that like they knew exactly what they were talking about. Cause they actually <laughs> had to know what they were doing to mint one of these things. Right. Right. So what they were talking about when I followed like you, you could gen- generally trust what they were saying. Right. You know, like occasionally you get the Yahoo that like, you know, like they were, just, you know, they were shit posting, whatever the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, that was really where I learned. I learned a lot from the punks community. That's dope. Like I learned, you know, so that's that was this massive level of identity. And that's what really birthed a lot. Like Crypto Kitties was technically before it. Right. But this is the first community that like it gave a real identity to that. 
that people could relate personal experiences and culture to. Right. It gave it cultural relevance. Yeah. Um, and and to, to your point, I, I want to highlight one key word that I, you, you taught me recently, PFP profile. Yeah. Um, ooh, profile picture. Profile picture. Yeah. So yeah. that, that idea of the identity, right. I think with crypto kitties, it provided an incentive for like the play to earn, you know, uh, economics right. and, and for gameplay. But I do think crypto punks yep. provides that sense of identity because you start to imbue your, your, who you are as a person into that image, right. And display right. that as saying, this is who I am. I am punk, you know, six, five, 29, or I am punk. So, you know, such and such. Right. And that is who I, I identify with as a, as a person on the internet. And maybe even just, you know, when we get to technology, even in real life, that's, that's how right. I, I want to portray myself to the world. So I definitely exactly. I agree with that sentiment completely. Yeah, dude. And, and, and this, and what we haven't touched on a whole lot is that what this allows people to do is to own that digital identity. Yes. That's what, that's, that was the, that was one of the key pillars that got me super excited. Cause if you look at our digital identities on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, do we do not own those identities? Yeah. Like you can get that and shut so, down so quickly. I, I think from a gamer can. perspective, I think of like my Xbox gamer tag, my steam, right. uh, profile, right. right? Like if steam or Google say, Hey, you know, you violated our contract or whatever, our policy of conduct for any reason, or they, they get it wrong by mistake, which they do often then they just shut you right. down and you have like, you have to like go through a process to get your identity back. Like that's right. tough. Right. Right. And so this actually goes back to a lot of why decentralized, you know, networks matter is that, you know, is that likely going to happen for 90% of the population? Probably not. Yeah. Like it, most people don't have to worry about that, you know, but just the fact that it can is very alarming. And so the, the value and I, in digital identity and, and owning our own digital identity is identities is that you have a decentralized network of computers that is, that is, we already believe that is creating value that has a very, it's a, it's hacker proof. Like no one has like overtaken the network and you can code on top of it. You can innovate on top of it. And it's, it's virtual, it's agreed upon. And people obviously agree upon it because they're transacting on right. it, that this is a valuable, this is a valuable network. You know, this is a valuable place for us to store content items, you know, tokens, Etc. Companies come and go. Yeah. You know, they can, the digital identities are forever. And you can look at kind of like what you're doing, um, you know, and also what a lot of other people are doing is you can take, now we have those, these decentralized digital identities, and then we can choose to plug those into centralized companies exactly. and worlds exactly. and modes and this. But we still own our data. We own our identity. We own that. Right. And if you don't think that's valuable, like, I mean, owning land you know like you look at like what owning something means like humans love to own things yeah yeah you know like hu like ownership is very important i rent an apartment right now i'm not i can't speak to that the best but like there's a difference between leasing a car and owning a car that car is mine yes there is not another one like it this is mine so we apply that same ownership level to our own identities why should we not the question is like why instead of like why are we doing this the question is that why shouldn't we own our own identity? Oh yeah, and I I, I like <laughs> I like to even take it one step further. You kind of hinted at this a little bit too, but like the whole data reclamation of it all too, right? Yeah. Like yep. with what we yep. know, uh, Cambridge Analytica and and all the all the news articles of like how the government's collecting data, how companies are selling your da data. Like right. now we have this opportunity to then 
keep our digital identities and be interoperable between you know web two platforms but then we get to yep. like own it so that if again if a company goes away we still have all those comments we still have all those images still saved and tied to right. and linked to our identity exactly man and i and i trust a network of computers of people that probably barely know each other but that are running the same application versus a group of eight board of directors right yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> or shareholders like yeah. i generally am gonna trust people that like are kind of like just running this because they think it's gonna work like i generally have trust in regular people and again you know board of directors shareholders they all have their value but like when it comes to identity that is super important yeah math and code doesn't discriminate people do mm. you know what i mean mm. and so it's like this is all based on math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not a big math guy, but I know enough to know that I can trust math to be absolute. Yes. You yes. know, humans are not absolute, yeah. you know, which is what makes humans great. It's, it's a double-edged sword. Right. You know what right. I mean? So wh- how I found that's, again, that's the beauty of a decentralized network is that this is going to stay alive as long as we continue to just run these nodes and networks. And honestly, if we continue to put our faith in that, right. which after 13 years, We've kind of got something good here, even though it's so clunky. There's a lot of trust, and there's a lot of there's a lot of capital being injected. If you've seen into the yeah, ecosystem, there's a lot of value, and people people agree on it. People like this better. People people trust this more than they trust the U.S. dollar, more than they trust yeah. you know, like more than they trust any government agency. Right. You know, so that just to tie it back to that. But what really excited me, and really where I found my niche was, I. In the beginning, I was very confused when I found this technology and I'm like, I'm like, how do I make a contribution meaningfully? Mm. Like, I'm like, that was the first question I asked myself. It wasn't, how can I make money? Yeah. Like it, it was never how it, that was not the first question. It wasn't, it's not that I didn't ask that question, but it was not the first question. Right. The first question I asked is how can I participate meaningfully? Yeah. Um, cause number one, and here's what I had stacked against me. Very similar to my early days. I was severely in debt. You know, so I didn't have any money to be a connoisseur of art the way I wanted to. Um, I'm not a numbers guy, so I don't know how to read charts and markets. And like, I'm not a previous financial guy or I'm not finance. You know, I didn't know about that. Um, and so I was like, and I'm not a, and I'm not like a visual artist or photographer. I'm like, so I'm like, how do I do something here? Mm. Like I, I want, and I don't, again, I don't want to provide disingenuous information. I don't want to become a market guru. Yeah. <laughs> And three days because like I read a few articles and read a few yeah. ebooks on how crypto worked and like like I that's that's not what I wanted to become. And so I was still interviewing people in the esports scene. I just said, F it, you know, like I can't stop thinking about digital identities and and JPEGs and all these things. And that was like the rise of the board apes and Gary V and all the right. all these just massive players that came into the space. Um and I just said, you know what? This is a huge brand risk for me, but at the same time, I'm actually doing people in esports a disservice if I'm not fully invested in the conversation that I'm having with them. Mm. And that's what was happening towards the end. Yeah. I was just like, you can tell if you go back to some of the previous episodes, I've, you know, I'm just not as invested as I should be. <laughs> you know, like I still created quality content. Yeah. I still was present, asked great questions, but like my curiosity was just so in somewhere else. Yeah. Like it was just, it was somewhere else. And I said, you know what? People are going to follow me or they're not. That's fine. Mm. You know, I'm just going to do this. And, um, I just took the same approach and my approach is I am the dumbest person in the room mm-hmm. and I want to find people that are smarter than me so I can ask elementary level questions to yeah. them. You know what I yeah. mean? 
Like that is who I want to surround myself with. And I was just enthralled by the amount of talent that was participating here. I'm like, these people are incredibly smart. They're creative. They're smart. They know math. They do all these things. Like they, they just, the way they apply concepts and the way they build things and the speed at which they were doing. So I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, let me document these people. Right. That's, that's what I wanted to do. And so I just started, I just started DMing people on Twitter and like I did with you, I didn't change anything I did. Yeah. Like I just did the same thing, but in a different industry. I'd researched enough. I knew who to follow. I did all these things. And so I just, I pinged those people. Yeah. You know? And it just, just and, a quick pause too. We're talking about yeah. this podcast, the Bonafide Experience podcast. You're documenting yep. the pioneers yep. of, of Web3. So yeah, just just yes. just a, a context note. And I appreciate No, that. no problem. And uh, another plug, you know, go listen to the pod. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but also, can, can you, can you give us like maybe two name drops, but also like, the context, like the people that you think people should listen to on the podcast that yeah, would help them also to understand more of this. Cause I, like I said, y'all definitely listen to this podcast. There's amazing people in the, in the, in the spaces to talk that Buddha has talked to. You know, what's really interesting is that they're trying to understand more of like the space as a whole of like from a, I actually recommend the earlier episodes more than the later because mm-hmm. the latter I started diving more into uh, fine art and photography. And like I started just interviewing a bunch of artists, but in the beginning it was a mix of artists and technologists and stuff like that. And so the one I'd recommend the most is actually the, the, the shortest podcast I've ever done with it, with a guest, mm. with a guest um, is Jimmy Dottieth. Okay. Um, Jim, Jimmy Dottieth, one of the very first, one of the very first web three episodes. Um, he's been around since 2016 you know, invest in crypto kitties, owns punks, owns a bunch of apes, like just very, really, really smart guy. Um, and that's, we do, and we do like a really fast rapid fire, like question. Cause he had accidentally overbooked, um, like my pot, like another meeting with my podcast, but he still made 30 minutes and was 30 minutes late to his other meeting oh. to like, make sure he at least, we at least created something together. That's nice. That's really um, nice one. So it, it was, it was super yeah. like, I was like, it put the pedal to the metal. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to go on these long tangents that I love doing. <laughs> um, so that one, um, Michael Tant, um, he is a, he's just a, a blockchain enthusiast, uh, really early into crypto, understands a lot about DeFi or decentralized finance. Um, and now he is actually, he started up his own crypto investment firm and a lot of Solana bank, uh, backed projects. Oh, okay. Um, so Mike, so Jimmy.eth, Michael Tant, um, if you if if you have some gamers in here, which I imagine you probably do, Jonah Blake. Yeah, um, Jonah Blake is awesome. The real third wave jo- man. Jonah Blake. Uh, I've, I've yeah. been following him. I'm in his Discord. Yeah. I've been looking at a couple spaces. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, uh, and Alex Perry. Yeah. Alex Perry was actually uh, a game that Michael Tant um, played an investment round mm. in, and you know, or his his fund, you know, uh, invested in. Yeah. It. And if you really want to get heady, and if you've made it that far, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> um, you know. If you've made it that far and you really want to dive into like philosophical concepts, Uh-oh, here and, we go. you know, like, you know, like Jack Butcher is probably yeah. the best episode to do that. Yeah. And then the episode that's being released tomorrow, which is Dave Krugman. Um, it's a blend of of talking about art and culture and technology and thesis and all the, you know, so, you know, I'll send those over to Jesus. So we'll put them in the show notes yes. in case because he, yes. if he's like me, he'll probably forget. Yeah, no, um, no. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. okay. That's completely okay. Yeah. Not a knock on you. It's just you're 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 being in the moment. I know yes, what it's sir. like. You know, I I know what it's, I know what it's like. Um, so those are ones I would recommend. I, I appreciate you asking because, um, and what's really just it's it's hard to like actually exclude some of these conversations. Yeah, it's actually course. like painful to do that because it's it's re- like they're all 
Yeah, and they're all you learn. You pick up a little bit on each of them, and you yeah. learn a lot about it in your own way. But I just I found I fell in love with photography and photographers, yeah. and a lot of it I think was because I just did not know how much photographers went through to get the shots that they did, mm. and and I took it for granted before I came here. Like we're so spoiled with photography, yeah. we're so spoiled with really good imagery. Right. We're so we're just so spoiled, man. Like we are yeah. we are so so spoiled. And until I got to hear the stories about how photographers were not feeling that same level of, of spoil, you know, being spoiled mm. and what they went through to get shots, the amount of piracy, you know, yeah. uh, violations, the amount of people that copyrighted their work and all these things that they went through just to fight for scraps of what of their work, which is arguably some of the most beautiful work in the world. Yeah. I'm just like, OK, <laughs> like this is like like I just went down a rabbit hole with. Uh, with photography and, and, and how artists' lives are changing as a result. And also, just um, a quick note, too. Like, if people are questioning the legitimacy of NFTs for artists, like, this is a perfect example of what Boone is talking about. Like, the yep. amount of ownership and accountability that artists, digital artists can have over their work that makes it just yep. so much easier for them to act, to to pay for their livelihood with the, with the yep. art that they're making. It's such a big proponent of why I think this space is cool. There is, and I'm actually going to discuss, because a lot of people will probably ask, okay, well, how, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, okay, how is it more valuable? How is it more this? What's the big, like, why are, like, how, why does this matter? So if you go back to our original conversation, you know, around decentralized ledgers and blockchain, and, you know, you take the original concept that Bitcoin had. So essentially you have this decentralized ledger and that is, you know, all of, they're solving computational problems to to come to a consensus of a transaction so it's it's settling a transaction through what's called proof of work which is a computer mining you know mining bitcoin and so it's it's providing security and therefore the people that are providing that security layer security layer are getting a token in return yes they're getting rewarded they are incentivizing for keeping the network secure yes so that's really where bitcoin was invented it was like it's a token mechanism yeah as a reward for keeping the network secure. And, yeah, and, so, and, and the, I love that you were incentivizing. When I, when yeah, I finally yeah. understood, I was like, what is mining? And then that, I was like, right. woo! Right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So you take, that's a really, really rudiment, like just really simple boiled down concept. You take Ethereum, same thing as Bitcoin. Yeah. Literally almost down, probably, you know, the technical people can poke holes and tell me where I'm wrong. But the, mostly the same thing proof of work concept rewarding rewarding people for providing security to the network and that uses energy as the security yes um the more energy that's consumed the more energy is needed to take over the network and that's a very important thing to make so it's like in the beginning bitcoin could have been hacked easier but the more energy that is that is put out the more mining that takes place 51 percent of whatever the current energy Output is has to be deployed all at once to overtake the right, network. Right, right, and as the network so grows, it becomes more and more impossible, less and less impossible. More, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 highly unlikely that it's going to get hacked. Right. And so it's like after years and years and years, the network becomes more secure. It hasn't been hacked. Bitcoin has a limit on how many bitcoins. It's hard coded that there will only ever be twenty one million bitcoins. Therefore, the value will continue to go up. Yeah. So it's not hackable, which means more trusted scarce supply no one can change that therefore up in value right all right so this is i'm not i don't own i own like a couple cents in bitcoin i'm not a huge bitcoin guy um yeah anyway but ethereum takes that concept and allows you to program applications on top of it 
And and those are and that, called smart contracts, right? Right. Okay. Smart contracts, which is why we're, you know, so you take that concept, public, immutable, unchangeable ledger. Now you can program, uh, now you can program smart contracts on top of it. Yeah. And so hence where NFTs came from, it's a non-fungible token, which means that it's like the VIN number for this token. Yeah. It's a unique one-of-one -one token that points to a piece of media. Exactly. Um, but with a smart contract, that is really where the beauty, uh, that's where the self-sovereignty comes in with artists, is that when you create a smart contract, which right now it's actually very easy to do. Um, well, you know, I wouldn't say super yeah. easy. If you're if you're curious about this, it's it's easy, mm -hmm. right? If you follow and start, it's, it's easy to do. There's some learning curves, but compared to, you know, like even when I first came here, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what that allows artists to do is to bake in royalties to the, the simplest use case is that you can bake in royalties every so where every time this token is sold, the artist will get a certain percentage of that royalty back to their wallet. No middleman, no fee. It automatically gets sold. right, right. No, no. Tr That's where the trustless nature of code comes in. Yes, it is a trustless system where people can now inherently trust each other more because this is being taken care of. When you take away, when you take away that element of like, can I trust this person? Genuine interactions and real creativity in humans can thrive. That is the, the big, that's one of the main use cases. The second is every, so an artist can have their work minted on a, you know, on a certain token, whether it's a one of one or an addition or whatever the case may be. And what it allows people to do is artists can actually reward people that hold their art or people that do so there's different mechanisms you can introduce like certain artists will do what's called an airdrop of certain pieces of art that they produce so it's like all of their one of one holders or an addition holders they may create a random piece of work and just drop it to holders randomly and you may ask okay why is that valuable number one it incentivizes you to hold the art yeah but it also gives you another piece of art that you can either sell or keep yeah. and it and it adds value. It allows the collector to monetize it. And it, the incentive, again, the incentive models align. It allows an artist to to know who their community is, especially for right. digital artists. Like they could have some followers maybe on, on certain sites. Uh, they could have people purchase. But now you could like without a shadow of a doubt know that within this right. collection, it's all this 5,000, 1,000, 10,000, 20,000 people right. who have legitimately bought into your art. And you can, you can have easy access to them with the airdrops because you know their wallet right. address. Token gated events, token gated merch, token gated, right. you know, now not everything needs to be token gated and we're figuring that out. You want, you want the challenge with this and you know, I'll just touch on this slide. The challenge is that you want to find ways to keep your whole original holders and original investors. I'm not going to say the word investors, original holders, um, rewarded and make them feel like they continually are special because it is, they were early adopters, but also growing the brand and allowing multiple points of entry you know, that are, that are cheaper. Right. Cause you know, like I love doodles. Doodles is one of my favorite projects, doodles is very pretty. but not many, 
not many people can afford yeah. a $20,000 Jaguar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, mean, I, I can't, I can't afford it right now, including myself. Yeah. Right. I like, I want to own a punk and I, the only PFP projects that I really want to have like as grail PFPs are like punk, a punk, probably multiple punks if I'm being yeah. honest and multiple doodles. Like that's like the only, those are the only two. Like I love, you know, I respect board apes, love what Yuga Labs did. Yeah. They, they, they are pushing, they are continuously pushing the boundaries. Yeah. I just don't want to own one. Like yeah. it's just a personal preference. You know what I mean? Um, and so that it, it, it introduces new reward mechanisms and it incentivizes not only collectors, if they really want to hold, they can hold their piece, display it in a digital gallery. But if they want to sell it and get some finance, like, and get rewarded for that art, what that allows the artist to do is create perpetual royalty. Like they get to create perpetual royalties for themselves. And it's not offensive if the collector sells. Yes. And cause if, and you may ask again, if you go into this with more questions than answers, you're going to win here. Yeah. Like that's actually learned that from Samantha Cabot, one of the most, one of the most recent artists I interviewed, she approaches art and, and the, her creative process, not for searching for answers, but for searching for more questions mm. and like love. She's only 25 years old. Wow. One of the most brilliant minds like I've, I've ever met. Um, and so, you know what that it, it allows people to sell the art and what that allows people, it, it actually, Hold on, I'm going off on a tangent here, but with that piece of art, you know, that continues to fund the artist's ability to create. Yes. Right? They are incentivized to create more. They are incentivized to do more things. They are incentivized and they and they also can reward the people that hold their pieces the longest. Um or whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, so provide utility to like add new projects or new pieces of art or new whitelist, you know, all these different all these different things that you can do. And the reality, Jesus, is that the if you look at the very beginning when the Mac was first created, their big innovation and their big like, hey, you can like do this and you've never been able to do this before. Yeah. You can now store your recipe books inside your computer. <laughs> that was like their yeah. big innovation. Right. I mean, and now that was that was the scope that they could see of what computers could do. Right. I mean, obviously look what happened. Right. 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 Like they can do way more than yeah. that. <laughs> um and more than storing recipe books. So the reality is that like right now, all of these reward mechanisms, mechanisms and incentive models and ways we can like get creative with code. It is so, it is so primitive right now. Yeah. It's so primitive. And when you look at, and when you understand how primitive that that actually is, crypto punks start to make more sense, mm. you know, like as a historical, like it provenance matters, you know, like provenance with anything matters. Yeah. And now provenance cannot be altered. Right. Right. Provenance cannot be altered because reality is that like, say you are like me, a big Gary V fan. Yeah. Um, and say Gary V owned a punk or Gary V owned, which he does, or owned a certain collection or owned a certain thing. And say he sold that to you. That provenance yeah. is documented on chain. True. True. Right. That's important. Yeah. You know, people may laugh it off and people may, but like, think of your favorite thing in the whole wide world mm. that you probably spend too much money on that people probably judge you for or whatever the case may be. And like that, think about that one thing. If someone owned that, how much more valuable that oh, would yeah. be. Imagine if it was like your favorite baseball player. What if you knew that they wore that jersey? Like it was a used jersey before they gave it right. to you. Right. Right. Those, yeah. you can let, la like people can laugh at all these things, but those things really matter. True. Like, That's true. They really matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I kind of even forget where we were going with that, but it's, you know, what it allows, yeah, the idea of artists and self-sovereignty, it allows artists to build a genuine community. And what's really interesting is there is a very 
new relationship that's being formed with collectors and artists. Um, because of the internet, artists have direct access right. or collectors have direct access to the artists. Right. You know, most collectors use it for good, you know, some bad, but the good in this is that art, you know, collectors can give critiques. They can provide feedback. You know, if artists have questions with a direction, they can ask their current collectors how that would make them feel or what they, you know, may, you know, but also like again, collectors, like there's a collector to artists interaction. That's really awesome. And artist to collector interaction right. that now we have, it's much better than it used to be ever before, which is amazing. Right. But now we have right. also collector to collector interaction that would only happen at like conferences, like, you know, like a Comic-Con or, right. or a Star Wars exactly. celebration. But like, let's say you're in a favorite gallery, like I'm in Los Angeles, there's all these wonderful galleries. But when you walk across an item that you think is amazing, there's millions of people who will cross through that, that same pathway, but you would never know them. Now you get to know them, exactly. hang out in a, a Twitter space together, yep. hang out in a Discord together. And eventually, this is what I want to get to, hang out in the metaverse together and form new communities, right? So, yes. like, that, that's ultimately where I want to go to with this conversation, right? We, we talk about NFTs, community, art, Web3, but the metaverse, the three representation of the internet. You know, how, how are NFTs... I guess I kind of, we kind of just mentioned it, but how where are NFTs and how why are they a piece of getting us to the metaverse in your in your opinion? Well, you look at what crypto state like you look at what crypto stands for. It's a it's a very it's a it is a trustless, you know, it's a trustless monetary system. Yeah. It is, you know, it's sound it's super sound money. Um it's not created by any one person or any one central authority. It's it provides self sovereignty, it provides all these benefits. Um and what, when you add NFTs to the mix, NFTs are the cultural layer of cryptocurrency. Yes. yes. And, what, and what NFTs represent, there's three pillars that NFTs are, and that is it, it has, a, or three legs, I should say. It has a financial leg, has a cultural leg, um, and it has you know, finance, culture, and technology. Yes. Right? So it, it hits on three different elements, you know, and that's what it brings to that's what it brings to this new world that we're building. So why NFTs are going to be important for getting us to, you know, more, I guess, online or robust communities, if I, if I got the question right, yeah. um, is that I'm going to, again, to understand really where this is headed or at least an idea or the direction of it. Of course, I'm not going to know exactly what yeah. happens. I'm not a, I'm not an oracle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Right. So you look at, and if you don't... Don't even look at you don't even have to look at history to understand this. Just look at what fifteen to twenty year olds and how they look at fifteen and twenty year olds and how they're spending their time. Mm. Where are they spending their time? Right. How are they spending their time? So anyone who has kids, maybe instead of judging what they're doing or how they're spending their time, maybe more curious. Yes. I'm not gonna tell people how to parent. This is not yeah. parental advice. No, definitely um, not. <laughs> you know, um, you know, but uh, you know, on top of doing what you already do, be curious about what they're doing. Yeah. And watch where they're spending their time. Right. And if you don't have kids, literally just log on to Twitch or log on to YouTube or log on to, you know, read some articles. Um, try, try Roblox. Try Fortnite out for a second. That's exactly what I was getting to. So it's like kids in the, the, the younger generation is, and, and even us. I yeah. mean, we are technically in the metaverse on this podcast. True, true. Like this is technically the metaverse. It is, it is the online space that we can communicate and transact and build community right. around. That's really, I actually just thought of that. That's really all it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's the online space for us to find super niche specific interests. Yeah. You know, like the interests that we get talking about the art thing, you know, like in how you would never know these people. 
that's what this space allows people to do is like you would number one you would never find these people or hopefully you would find these people but you may find one to three of those people right, in your life right. or 10 or whatever the case may be so what this does is this skips all of that it, it sends it into overdrive and it allows you direct access to people with the exact same super special niche exciting interests that you have right and that that's and also it, a thing too where people sometimes don't realize like, well, why are there so many NFT collections? Like, if this is your identity, right. why would you need to mint so many? Because as human beings, we're very irrational. We just have a lot of interests and that's right. okay. Exactly. And, and so there's a community for each of these niches and you can be a part of all of them or some of them, depending on how right. you want to live your journey. Right, exactly. And and the, the other side to this too, I mentioned, you know, obviously finances is an important part of this, but what there's a lot of different, you know, subsets of the NFT community and, and some artists don't really like the whole PFP and flipping and all these, you know, but the reality is that the, what board apes did and what CryptoPunks do what all these profile picture projects do is they, they provide liquidity to artists. Mm. Like, cause if artists are only buying from each other, all the liquidity gets dried up. Yeah. Yeah. So it prints new money into the ecosystem. That's not fiat. Yeah. So it's, it's naturally, it's 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 money that is made naturally within the ecosystem mm -hmm. and then it allows people to buy art and to buy collections and buy things that really make not to say that digital identities don't do that but the you know a good majority is a lot of people that are like a lot of it's like trying to flip their way to like a crypto punk or flip their way to there's nothing wrong with that that provides real value to this community right you know it's just that's just not the only thing there is right so it this is a culture of and versus or mm. like we it's not this or that it's not PFP or fine art. It's not additions or one of ones. It's like, it's not communities or brands. Mm. It's every, it's, there's no, or there is no, or in this ecosystem. This is you vote with your money yeah. and everyone can play. It's why and not there both is a community. Me. Exactly. Why not both there me. is a community yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, why this is incredibly important in the metaverse is like I the way I'd answer that question is I, I already answered about reiterate right. it is that it it cuts all this unnecessary time so so okay so even I'll give another example of like the art gallery stuff you know say you're like really big like me a really big Lord of the Rings fan we can probably agree on that um, but to get to like the amount of conversation that we have. To get to that point, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of time. Right. right, right, right. So imagine a community of just super duper Lord of the Rings nerds yeah. that you can find a PFP project or a community built around that interest. Right. Insert whatever interest. I use Lord of the Rings because it's literally my favorite sci-fi trilogy of all time. There's nothing that... They... Anyway, um, but it's finding, insert whatever it is that you really, 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 really like right. and finding a bunch of people that also really 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 like right, it too right you know and it, and it and it cuts away all of this time and the the important thing that i really want to say here on the metaverse is that i think that it is the most important for that specifically mm. um now i don't think we should spend all of our time online we should not be spending yes. yeah you know like i like i'm a big fan of earth earth is pretty dope yeah. right like like you know outside is neat we can go do cool things and, you know, as much as I like technology is great and allows people like you and me across states yeah. to continue to stay in touch, to continue to build relationships, continue to make valuable content like this. There's nothing that beats in-person events. Yes. And so you combine these super niche interests 
And then you get to go do things in person with those people. Right. Right. I get goosebumps. Yeah. Because that that you find your tribe so fast, it is a better way to find more people mm. exactly with the same interests as you. Yes. And you get to go do shit with them. Pardon my friends. You get to go do things with them. <laughs> no problem. No you know problem. what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. All right. So you get to go do things with them. And that, that allows for more value to be created. You're having fun. You're going and doing things with people that you love. Yeah. And if you look at what art and community and these things really are, that's really what it's about. Yeah. It's about finding people that you can be the most human with. It injects more trust. It builds more trust. Why can we do that? Because we have a trustless system. Yeah. That's that is coded to say if this this sells for this price, if I don't have enough ETH, I can't buy this. Or if I don't have a bit of Bitcoin or Solana or I can't yeah. buy this. And also that validation right. too, like knowing that someone has that token, you know that they right. took there's a certain level of effort that they exactly. took to, to get to that point where they're and also that they're a passion for this niche right. that you know verification wise. Like this is this right. is most like a legit person because they're doing the same thing I did to get to the space too. So it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. And so you look at things that are building, you, you know, we mentioned applications. There's all these different things that can be built on top of, on top of these, you know, whether it's Ethereum or Solana avalanche, you know, all these other things and that we're spending more and more time digitally. So why would we not want to have a digital native currency? Right. You know what I mean? Um, why would we want not have, why would we not want to have culture attached to that currency? Yeah. You know, and Going back again to incentives, I'm, I'm really trying to like burn that into your listener's head is incentive <laughs> models is that what this, if you're trying to build something natively, so if you're trying to build something here natively, there's a set of assumptions that have already happened. Number one, that you know what a blockchain is, that you believe in the ecosystem, that you, that you believe in digital identity, that you believe in all of these things that it does. But what that does is it incentivizes people to do and build the right things because mm. everything is public. Yeah. Another reason why a public ledger is valuable. This is probably a better time to answer that question. Now that we're knee deep into NFTs right. is that, you know, projects, you can see when, when projects mint out, you can see the contract address. Right. You can, you know, people audit that. But no, you can also see where the collection was minted from or created from. Yes. You can see where those funds went. You can see if there's any adverse behavior you can see. It doesn't eliminate bad actors, but it drastically reduces the amount of that that happens. Yeah, it just it it, ins- it, it like it puts transparency right into the system. You can even read the code right. of people's smart contracts, which is exactly yeah. yeah. Now I don't know how to read the code. People like you mm-hmm. probably do. Yeah. Like you understand you understand that way more than I do. Um, you know, so I rely upon people like you to like if y'all if you tweet something about that, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna be interested because I'm gonna listen to what you have to say. Because you know a lot more than I do, but you also believe in this space just like yes, I do. Yes. So that it is a community grassroots effort. And I'll just say probably for people also that are listening, if you try to enter around July, between July and January, July of last year and January of this year, yeah. you probably had a really hard time. Like, because it's like, who do I trust? Yeah. Where do I go? Yeah. Where do like, what's, 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 what's trustworthy? What's not? Like there was so many things that were you know is this a rug pull is this a scam yeah. this is a, uh, like, remember those those two hours that you took me on that journey i was like so yeah. like worried and stressed yeah. but you really yeah. helped me man so yeah i was so glad i have you as a friend to trust man man, man we go from right right click saving to left click owning. yeah you know what i mean yeah. there is a 
and to 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 just bounce around the rabbit hole of all these things of all these topics i you know me this is just how i go um but there is a emotional well let me actually you know what i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna put words in your mouth what was the feeling that you had when that transaction settled and that asset was in your wallet oh i felt good man i i and i felt so happy like i did feel that sense of ownership i felt like I, f- I just felt good and I felt like this yeah. was mine to to look at I was showing my wife I was like I tweeted it I showed it to a couple of discord friends like like I was so so exi- so excited and it wasn't it wasn't like this crazy expensive piece that I was thinking about flipping I, I haven't flipped it yet still because I really right. still enjoy looking at it from time to time it was so right. much fun and it yeah. was a little scary at first but sure. the transaction went through. I got to see it in my wallet. I got to like look at it and be like, "Oh, that, that's I okay. That's cool. That was that was great." Yeah, it, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. Is that the first? There, there. We can talk till we're blue in the face, yeah. and but until you actually do it, you will not understand that reaction. Yeah, and there's and that's what a lot of people don't get. They they don't. And it's not to some, a lot of times it's not a fault of their own or like, you know, it's just, it's hard. Like you have to dedicate a lot of time to this. And this is, this is not something that's super easy to, to learn and super easy to figure out. Um, although we're getting way better, it's, it's drastically improved from when I entered this yeah, space, no, most but it's still not, you have to like really want to learn. Yeah. It. Like if you don't want to learn it, you're, you're, it's, it's going to, you're going to have a bad time. Right. Um, but that feeling of like doing some research and finding something that you enjoy and buying a digital asset, it's a different feeling than just saving an image on your computer. Right, it really you know? is. It really is. It it is an entirely different experience, and at the same time, what you also get on a more liberal, from a more liberal perspective, is like you get to literally inject more capital into the arts, and people, you get to help contribute to killing the narrative of starving artists. Yeah. Right? Like on a, on a really on a really just philanthropic or philanthropic. Yeah, no, philanthropic. Yeah. But you had it. Yeah, philanthropic. on on a level like you get to participate in helping this artist get to a point where they can do this full time. Yeah. And if that doesn't make you smile, I don't know what. Like that right. is just like art is everywhere. This this mouse, you know, like there was design choices that went into this mouse. Right. The color, the buttons, the clickiness, the mechanical keyboard, yeah. same thing. This mic, there was art is literally everywhere. Even on this desk that I'm, that I'm have all my setup. Yeah. On. The, you know, so art, if you like, this is also challenging people's perspective of like what creativity means and what art is, who is an artist and who's not, and who's an amateur, who's mm. a pro there. It, it, what it's doing is it's opening the floodgates to allow more creativity. It's allowing people to at least shoot their shot. Yes. This mean, it doesn't mean everyone's going to be, you know, like the the just next gazillionaire or next like, you know, Beeple or next, you know, whatever. They, it doesn't matter, but you're you actually have the ability to take a shot now. You actually have the tools and resources and the and the technical tools at your disposal to give it a shot. Yeah. Cuz and I I do think yeah. the it helps broaden the artistic um pop, yeah. you know, community because you don't have to have like five, 10 years of experience, you could just put some art out there, put it onto the blockchain and then just share it with people. And then you, you never know, you never know. Right. Like, Hey, this, this is someone else out there really enjoys it. And now thanks to the metaverse, the internet, 
people can actually like support you in that and validate your art and your experience. Exactly. You know, and that's what one thing I really want to touch on here is that, and I, I mentioned a little earlier, the culture of and versus or, and I'm, I am, that is like, if I have any mantra that I've like just said till I was blue in the face, that is what I do my best to make all my decisions on. You know what I mean? And so what I really want to touch on is the level, like what this is, like the reason why this is an actual renaissance is that if you look at anything in art history and I've, I've scratched, I, I wouldn't even say you could call my research scratching the surface. Mm. I've read a few articles, but if you look, it's, it's safe to say that in art, every generation rejected the new version of art mm. that came into the forefront. Mm. It was disruptive. Yeah. It made people emotionally reactive. Yeah. It caught, it stirred things up. And this, so there, you, you can look at, you know, the, one of the ways I built conviction is how many people is this upsetting <laughs> and who is this upsetting? Yeah. Right. Who is this upsetting is probably the most important piece. Right. And then you get to look at how many right. people this is upsetting. Right. And even if you know nothing about anything, you, you trust, trust me when I say this is that anything that is disruptive is going to cause emotional reactions yeah. to people. Yeah. If there was, if there's no reaction, you'd be like, well, this probably isn't that big of a deal then. Some, yeah. Right. 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 Um, so what this is doing is traditionally in the past and let's go, let's wind the clocks back even before technological revolution mm. is that you look at artists like, you know, Da Vinci and like Monet, yeah. you know, and some of these just, you know, traditional, you know, traditional artists is that, how much of their secondary sales do you think they ever saw? Oh, nothing. They saw nothing. 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 And it didn't become valuable until they were dead. Yeah. Because then it became scarce. Right. Right. Right? Like, and, and so you look at, you got to ask yourself, why should an artist's work be valued when they're only when they're dead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it's like, terrible, man. Why the, why the hell is it like yeah. that? That makes no sense. They are providing real value and they are sparking introspection, emotional reactions, allowing you to get through something. Music, look at that. Like that gets us through tough times, happy times, sad times. Art, that's what art does. Art provides comfort. It provides solace. It provides reflection. It provides introspection. It provides, there's so much utility that art provides. And it's like, why shouldn't we fund and like support and like buy from people that are doing this for us on a consistent basis. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And so you wind, you wind the clocks forward a little bit to let's call it the web two era where you had the birth of Instagram and you know, Twitter and Facebook and, you know, e-commerce and all these, you know, different monetization tools on the internet. Um, you know, artists, photographers, digital graphic artists, have all like really the only way to truly make it as a digital artist is that you kind of have to like get a brand deal. Right. You know, right. It's not the only way, but it's, it's, it's the quickest way to success or it's the way to get, you know, to get paid for what you're doing. But then, but then once you get that deal, then there's, you know, creative, you don't have fully full creative control. You don't get to really express yourself the way you do. They're going to probably nitpick at a lot of certain things that you feel like should be in there that probably they don't agree with. Um, so you look at the way digital artists have made it in the past, that has been one of the only ways. Yeah. And okay, you know, we shared on Instagram, well, you know, the likes are going to help get you more engagement, which are going to get you paid. Talk to any artist and they'll tell you how absolute nonsense that actually is. <laughs> like, like that, like it, it does help. And that not to, not to rag on any of these applications, 
they provided something valuable, which is distribution, right? right? They provided distribution. And that is something that they did do. So technically, yes, there was more opportunity than there was before that, but it's still allowed for more people. The other side of that is all the copyright stuff that came from that. All of the, all the plagiarism, all yeah. of the, you know, that, that was all a double-edged sword. So what you look, if you look at how this community was formed, this community is just a bunch of people like you and yeah. me. It's, it wasn't created by a brand. It wasn't created by a centralized government. It wasn't created, you know, by any of those. This was created by a bunch of people that just agreed that something was more valuable. Yes, exactly. And so now brands are coming to play yeah. in our turf. Right. So instead of brands having the turf, the community has the turf. Right. And who has the and advantage and who can make, who can right. say, this is what I want in my deal. And that, that helps right. artists so much more. It does. So artists are allowed to artists have more creative control on who they work with. Yeah. If they want to work with a brand, it's not because it's the only option. Right. Right. It's because they genuinely want to do so. But they also know because they have their own way to monetize their art and their craft without a brand. Yeah. And talking to artists uh, in person in the past month and month or so, you know, they're wondering, how do I get into this? Should I create my own NFT collection? Is it still the right time to do so? And mm -hmm. so, do you have any recommendations um, for artists about starting their own NFT collection? You, you know, we talked earlier, um, you know, off air about your NFT uh, collection for your podcast that you you minted, you know, about five months ago. So that that's awesome. Congratulations. Yep. Yep. But do you, do you have any advice and or recommendation for, for artists in the NFT space? Yeah, I mean, so yes, right. To answer your first question, if there is if there is a time to get involved, it is right now. Um, and I and I don't say that just because if you if we would have this podcast in like August, September, October, mm. I probably would have said something different yeah. um, because it's just if and it depends on your technical. Like it depends on how much you understand, and how much you believe and how much, you know how big your conviction is, right? Right now is the perfect time to build conviction. Yeah. So should, should you, should you participate? Absolutely. I am never going to tell someone to not participate because the reality is that the amount of active wallets that have created the amount of value mm -hmm. in the, in this ecosystem is insane to even look at the numbers, True. but we need more people mm -hmm. like we need more creatives. We need more ideas. We need more skill sets from, from the current version of the internet, from current jobs to participate and evolve what we currently have. Mm. So I look at like, I am a, like if I'm a maximalist of anything, it's onboarding. Yeah. Like I like it, that is probably the only thing I am a true maximalist on <laughs> is that, is that it's not the one thing that would shoot me in the foot is that we need more people. Um, because this only gets more valuable if more people come right. in, um, and more people coming in the like an authentic and genuine way where I would tell people to start, you know, obviously I'm going to pump my own bags with my podcast, yep. but you know, especially if you're an artist, What's like the name of your podcast again, like, the bonafide experience. <laughs> uh, yep. So like, and I, and I say this not out of a sense of 
like uh, a sense of ego, but like I literally find the best artists that are creating the coolest things. And if you don't believe me, you can literally go look at every artist that I've had yeah. and look at what they're doing. Even if you want to be as rudimentary as looking at a follower count, you know, like it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the type of work they're creating and the community that they're building, they're the best at what they do. Yeah. Um, and it, and it is, it is so incredibly like fascinating to hear their stories and like watch their journey unfold in front of them and just like be a part of elevating that and like getting to know them more. Yeah. Um, so as far as like where to go, you know, like there's, there's a couple websites that, you know, I would recommend, you know, I'd recommend a website call or a couple of them. There's NFT now, mm. um, that has been around for a long time. They, they create podcasts. They, they have art, they have a bunch of how to articles. Um, they, Matt Medved is, is one of the, is one of the legends in the space. He's just doing some incredible work with NFT now. Nice. Um, lucky trader, um, lucky trader. You can look at upcoming NFT drops, market analysis projects, and also how to articles and guides and Gary V like yeah. Gary V like it is when he came in and naturally he probably, he got a lot of hate from just depending on who you were. Cause if you've never heard of him, like he is a strong flavor. Yes. Like he is he like, is. he is a very <laughs> strong flavor yeah. and I had conviction before he came in. So I didn't have to worry about trusting this mm -hmm. guy. Like I knew that this dude like was so bullish on himself, probably more than any other human on this entire planet that I've ever met. Yeah. Like I have not met, met anyone more bullish on themselves than yeah. Gary and he's got the track record to prove true. it. That's the thing. True. So I didn't have to worry about that. And he came in so correct for a big influencer like him. The way he came in was so, so good. Um, he came in, he got in the punks discord he started talking. That was it. You can't really do that now just because of the volume right, of the space. Right. But the punks discord was the place to be, you know, because you were talking to a lot of the just the true like core community that own these nice. things. He came in. He understood. He even when he was asked about NFTs and some of his content, he like actually like deferred his answer. He's like, I don't mm. know enough about it. I'm not going to answer this. I know I'm curious. I know I'm participating, but I'm not, I know what I currently feel. But he's like, I, until I understand what I'm doing, I'm not confident in saying that. Oh, wow. So I say all of that to say that Gary V has produced so much for this space. And the articles that he's produced are so, like, understandable. Like, they they are so easy to comprehend and digest. And that he's the master of content and right. making things simple. True. That's just what he True. does. True. You know, so it's natural that his website, GaryVanderjuck.com and 137PM, which is his, which is his uh, uh, extra brand underneath underneath his brand, um, those two are the best places to learn. Nice. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, so I would say that that those are like the two best spots to be. Um, if you're a high end artist or if you've already built a community, if you've like, say you've showed at, you know, galleries or museums, look into super rare, look into Christie's auction house, look into Sotheby's. I mean, I interviewed Nicole. Uh, I can't remember her last, I can't remember her last, Nicole sales. That's actually the easiest last name in the world. <laughs> um, she was the NFT. She is the NFT business director for Christie's Auction House. Oh, wow. And her and her team were actually the people who contacted Beeple and facilitated that sale, um, that $69 million wow. sale on Christie's. Wow. So the reason I say that, if you're an artist looking at that, is they are actually providing educational content and partnering with artists to help teach them about the traditional art world and drops and auctions. And they're also got a toe on the other side and teaching the traditional world about crypto native NFTs and mm. digital art and why it's important. Oh, wow. So 
they actually are playing a very important role in this. So I'd say between those websites, you're going to find enough content to like keep yourself busy. Yeah. Um, you'll quickly find out that there is just so much here that it's a little overwhelming to start. Once you've already, once you've already been red pilled into this community, look at bankless bankless. The reason I say once you've already been red pulled in is like, they just, it is almost nauseating even from someone who's been here for a year, <laughs> how much content they actually yeah. have. Um, it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. That's the better word. It's intimidating yeah. because you just don't know where to start with them. Um, it's, but they provide that there's a reason why they providing been providing super valuable content. If you're even curious about blockchain and just mechanics and how this works, one of the best websites that I've gone to, or it's actually a YouTube channel. It's called whiteboard crypto. Mm. Um, they take and they're, and they'll say this in the beginning, they take really simple concepts. They draw it on a whiteboard. They use adjectives and real simple examples to explain this technology. And it is one of the most, they have it on everything, every blockchain, every type of technology, proof of stake, DeFi, DAOs, oh, yes, you know, yes. like liquidity pools yes. and mining yes. and proof of stake versus proof of work and all, all of these. I things. hear, I hear so heads look, exploding <laughs> as you say this, dude. but no, they, these, yeah, these, are, yeah. these are the resources that I'm talking about, man. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, man. So it's like, we, we love pumping our own bags, but we also, I also realize that like, I'm not the end all be all. And I have a very specific audience that I target and specific people. I like to talk mm. to that, that covers a fraction of, of all the things to learn here, you know? So that is also the benefit of being early and the very cool thing. When there's a new technology, there is an open canvas for people to really make their mark and really paint what they really want to paint. Um, and it's, it's everyone working together to fill that canvas. Nice. And so it, it, it doesn't hurt to like promote the other's content. It doesn't oh, hurt. Yeah. Even though web two, it technically really didn't matter, but that was kind of the ethos that that built. Right. Like that was kind of like, even though no one talked about it, no one really wanted to help each right. other, you know, right. in web two, it was very cutthroat and like trying to mess, you know, like screw people. It's over. a survival you know, mentality like, instead of a thriving mentality. Yeah. yeah. I have, I have no incentive to not tell you to go watch someone else's content. Yeah. I have no incentive. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> like it actually because like I'm not providing the answers to what you're looking yeah. for. So why would I force you to watch my videos if that's not the question you're looking to right. answer? Right. Like I like talking about art and like, you know, like artists and culture and some of these theses that go around and what to see, what all this means and what the future looks yeah. like and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's, you know, but if you are looking for the basics, man, like, you know. I've mentioned a few of my podcasts, but that's nowhere near enough to help you build conviction. But what's what's you know awesome what I mean? is that like if people still they take your answers and they say, OK, I'm going to look at these resources instead. Yep. But you become a trusted source once they, you know, they see yep. that value in the resources you suggested because then they can always come back. And it's a, it is a feedback loop. Right. If they're going to stay right. in the space, they'll eventually come right back to you because they know, hey, this person, I was able to trust them before. I can trust them again. Right. And that's that's how we should see it. You know, now it's competition. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm, that's I'll, right. I'll tell you, that's man. right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I am not like, I am not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's too much fun. I've had like, and that's, that's the other part of this is that, you know, NFTs, the reason why I participate in that more than I do like tr did traditional crypto markets and, you know, be the chart guy and look at, you know, leverage trade, all these things that <laughs> I know nothing about, um, is that NFTs are fun. Yeah. Like, yeah culture is fun it sparks emotion you get to you get to be complete clowns with some of these people nice. that like you would have never gotten to do before and like i think that's where people get so hung up is that it, 
we are having so much fun and making money and innovation can't be associated with fun. It needs to be serious and trustworthy yeah. and like protected. And it's like, no, it actually doesn't. Yeah. Like, you know, there's the, the meme of, of the current market right now is the Goblin Town uh, project. Have you heard of Ooh, that? No, 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 no. So right now, so the meme is that we're in a bear market. It's called Goblin Town, oh. right? Like, welcome to Goblin yeah, Town. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's a, so the, everything is down right now. Yeah. Like, like, you know, crypto's down, stocks are down, NFTs are down. Yeah. NFTs are actually doing surprisingly well in light of yeah. every, like the drops there. haven't, still the drops down. haven't been as dramatic as people thought they would be. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's still down more than we'd like it yeah. to be. The volume is still nowhere near where we were. I mean, it's hard to even like think about it going back to last August. That was a white hot month. Yeah. Um, but the, the project that is pumping right now are these ugly, ugly goblins yeah. that like, that is a 10 K creative commons license means no rights reserved. Oh, wow. Um, or, um, so, or all, oh, yeah. yeah, no rights yeah. reserved, meaning you can use it however you want it to, to monetize, to do this, no utility, no roadmap, no project, you know, no nothing, just a bunch of goblins in with these ugly PFPs making goblin noises in Twitter spaces. <laughs> and that is, it's a two Ethereum floor right now. Wow. Like, wow. That's pretty and, good. And that, <laughs> That's really good. But the reason why it's so valuable is that it would make sense that Goblin Town is the only thing that would pump while we're in Goblin Town. Right, right. And pe like, if you can really make that connection, it's actually that simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's culture is, there's no like crazy equation to culture. Yeah, it is no. that simple. And if you look back in history, this is going to be the only project that pumped during the bear right. market, <laughs> right, or one of the few, one right? Few. No, I'm not saying only. Yeah, one. no, yeah. but like, and, but and like, I, I always look at it for me as like NBA Twitter is like a, a big thing for me, and yep, whenever yep. just like a small little event happens in the culture, like it's just meme, like meme yep. after meme after meme, and I'm dying mm -hmm. the whole night. And this is right. this is like the same thing, and I also like to think of this like what you're talking about with community and the culture part. It's just like it's like MMOs, right? Before it got yep. too too corporate if i if, if you know what i'm saying right yeah we could yeah, just have yeah, fun yeah. and be in raids but now you can own your identity outside of the game itself and not be dictated by blizzard or or some other companies right. you know decision making so it, it's fun man if you, if you like that kind of stuff i think you're gonna have a lot of fun in this space too it's it's way too much fun and i mean you'll find what's really interesting is that crypto is a niche nfts are a niche within crypto and then there's all these sub niches within the NFT community, mm. all these different pockets of culture that you can just get involved yeah. in and you can find your tribe. But what's really interesting is that all of the tribes, all of like the little subcultures here, um, it's at, at the heart of all of these subcultures. It is all a contribution to the ecosystem as a whole. A lot. You'll find a lot of the people who are in this for the long term, doesn't matter what part of the culture they're impacting, they're contributing to they're like they care about the overall space and so there is so much so much unification even for all the problems that we do have and some of the things we're figuring out is that people want this space to succeed yeah and right now i'm going to be super bullish right now it is the easiest time to build conviction because you're going to see who is around when markets are down who's building when markets are down who's still got conviction when markets are down who's providing all of these things while markets are down you're continuously trying to provide value. Any, I could literally say any project that is building and releasing right now, not all of them will succeed, yeah. but any project that is released now, you should absolutely pay attention to. Cause it's like, if they're willing to release in these market conditions, 
see how they fare. Yeah. Like if they can make it, it's actually very beneficial to release a project or to start creating in a bear market because you're, you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to create when market conditions are not in your favor. Right. And if you can make it through that, if you can sustain and you can continuously build value and build community, then when it becomes white hot, you're going to have a band of people that have been there from the beginning when like, then when the financial winds start blowing in our favor again, then we get to really vibe. Right. You know what I mean? Then we get, then we get that extra layer to it. That's right. Um, but you're not, you're, you have less to worry about people that are purely in it for the money. So it's not that that's eliminated during a bear market, but you have, you don't have to worry about it as much and it's easier to sift through and find people to trust in markets like this. Yeah. wanting to look at I mean, we had such a great discussion Buna and again your your time that you spent with us thank you so much uh, from the bottom of my musty heart uh, <laughs> really appreciate hey, it hey man you know it was really funny Jesus yeah. like I love that you know this is the second time I've been on the podcast yeah. and I've loved I, I grow a little bit more fond of the musty creative name, like the more I get involved in this space, because it's just like, Thank you, man. you know, sometimes I'll forget to dust my, you know, my surface or my computer or my, you know, like, or the, the windowsill. And like, you know, I'm always reminded that like, you know, like I'm not like, I'm really good at what I do here, but I also, I'm so passionate about this. That I don't forget the space around me, like the imp- <laughs> the real life space around me yeah and it gets a little dusty man yeah, like yeah you know like so i i love like at first like i didn't fully under like i liked the name yeah. but i didn't fully like identify and resonate with it for sure um but but the more that like i've interacted the more i've seen it and the more i've like grown in my own personal adventures like it it starts resonating a lot more because it's like man like i'm just a musty creator yes man. sir like, i just like you know like um yeah dude i i enjoy that so no it's uh like time is the most valuable thing we possess. And mm-hmm. like, I found something that, that provides a deep satisfaction to, and, 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 and talking about it is part of, is part of like building what we're building here. Yes, so that's, yes, that, that's the, that's the greatest part about this is that, you know, you know, taking time away to do a podcast is actually not detrimental. It's we're, cause we're still in this big idea phase, yeah. you yeah. know? And so talking about it is one of the best things we can do. Yeah, um, this is part of the work. A waste of time. Definitely, no. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is, man. So, yeah, man. Happy to be on here, and, and thanks for thanks for inviting me back on because this this is it's this is fun, dude. I I love. I'm used to being like the one who like interviews people. Yeah. So like, it's nice to like like you know, explode with yeah. like all the things <laughs> that I haven't said, man. So it's it's a it's an honor, man. Thank you. Um. Yeah. So so op- open metaverse so, like that's that's what om stands for um okay yeah so and so the reason why that's important um what an open metaverse so it's like okay what's the opposite of open is a closed metaverse well what is it what is an example of a closed metaverse you and me mentioned his name i think it was either in the recording or before the recording yeah we we mentioned yeah here we did yeah Yeah. mark zuckerberg's meta yeah so meta um or zucks metaverse zucks metaverse yeah yeah zucks metaverse is a closed centralized metaverse where Facebook still controls all the data. They manipulate the data. It's just another way for them to continuously 
like pump ads and use your data against you and all the things that we love Facebook for. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, now the interesting thing about the, one of the most demotivating things of Facebook is that if you've read an article, they are for any creation that sells in Facebook in Meta's platform, they take a 47 and a half percent royalty. Right. Right. That's that huge. 47.5% closed metaverse to 100% open metaverse. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, that's huge, like, man. I, that's so that's the and there there are a couple like, you know, other examples, but we're just going to do the two extremes um for the sake of just simplicity and to give people like points of reference and there's a couple other metaverses there's like you know decentraland and sandbox and yeah crypto voxels and those are those are a lot those are all more decentralized but these are the two big players on two ends of the spectrum yeah. so you know um with the reason why that's really important again i, I already said why it's really important open metaverse 100 percent take rate right closed metaverse uh 51 52 and a half percent take rate um, like that's asinine, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's that now the value of what Zucks does and the, the 47.5% take rate is that they are hiring some of the best talent in the world right. and some of the greatest, you know, like all the, all the, all the things, but at the same time, it's going to be really interesting dialogue to see because you're the, the, the open with a hundred percent take rate is going to attract a lot of top talent Yeah, and a lot of top talent will get paid very well an open metaverse and just the crypto open ecosystem um, versus, you know, so there, there's going to be an interesting, I don't know how it's going to play out. It's going to be interesting but, to think like from an experiment standpoint, right. Of what the market will choose. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So there's, there's this example. And if we truly believe in like this, you know, self-sovereign way for creators to make a living, you know, I'd rather, I obviously, you know, where I would put my vote in my ETH is like with an open metaverse where, you know, while it may take a little longer and it may not be as smooth and sexy and all this thing of Mark's, you know, Zuck, Zuck's metaverse, um, it's, it's, it's more freedom. It's more the principles of what crypto stands for. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this idea that this is all built on right now. Again, if I'm putting my money where my mouth is and I want to create a culture of and versus, or, you know, this is not like, obviously Zuck is not going to go anywhere. You can't like, no matter. Yeah. Just like people said, NFTs are dead and crypto's dead, but it doesn't matter what people say, it it's still here. Yeah. Right? Like it doesn't. People's opinions actually don't matter at all. Like the the the, the facts are what matters, and the numbers in the market are what matters. Mm. Um, so as much as I don't want, and I'll probably vaguely ever like, you know, there there might be a uh, a situation where I'd want to participate in Zuck's metaverse. Yeah. Because like, probably the technology is really cool. Like, and I'd want to like go experience some futuristic thing, but it's not where I would spend most of my time. Right. Like I would not, that would not be my platform of choice. Like, but to say that I would never use it, that'd be a lie. Yeah. You know, cause like it probably some really cool things there. It's probably some really cool utility that they're going to offer. But as a, as a creative and a creator, like it goes against everything that I stand for. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, again, um, just to give a stark difference of that, um, you know, the, the way the open metaverse is, is it's built on this platform called on cyber, right. which you probably know a little bit more about how it's built. I just know that it works and I log in, I click buttons and I'm <laughs> in this like virtual world. You probably know a little bit more about how it's, you know, structured and like what, what programs they use and how they build it. Yeah. And, um, well, they, that's not good. Well, yeah, just, yeah. Quick thing on that, right. With, with on cyber, the, the major thing that really convinced me about, um, 
Punk 6529's thread was, again, like, the idea of using the web, the World Wide Web, to, that is already made in a decentralized fashion and has decentralized authorities and, and protocols already in place. Like, use that as a place for people to, to jump into the 3D representation of the internet, jump into the metaverse and interact with it and, and vibe with it and, and build community. So yep. I really like, like, the little bit that, that this thread speaks on, this the, the alpha version that's out there of OM, you can already go to if you have a browser and a decent graphics card. And that's, that's yep. very cheap and very easy for people to get into. And you don't even need your crypto yep. wallet set up. You can just you can at least just look around and check it out, which is really awesome. Right, exactly. And and you touched on a really good point um, with it's built on decentralized protocols because the, the the early days of the internet, I was actually at podcast I mentioned to you with Mark Andreessen and and, and uh, Chris Dixon on the Bankless show. Yeah, like they were talking about like what Web One actually had is like a lot of what they built were decentralized protocols. But what they didn't have is the technology to provide the trust layer, right. the accountability layer. That's what they didn't have. Thus, Web Two came along, you know, and and we didn't. It centralized company, you know, companies took advantage of that, and that's fine. You know, Amazon was built, Twitter was built. There's, again, it's nothing against that, but it's just an evolution. Now it almost skips a generation. Now we have the trust layer, right? And we can build on top of the things that this internet was built on. We just kind of took a detour, right? Like, yeah. We, it, the technology wasn't available, so it evolved where it naturally was, you know, where the path of least resistance was or where, we, you know, like, and, and we all love the value that, that this Internet provides. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah. the birth of streaming services, yeah. and, you know, cutting the, cutting the cord and like all these, yeah. you know, H, like all these and things. And YouTube, Discord. I mean, these yeah, are amazing yeah, services. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They are amazing services. Um, But it's just, you know, they're not sustainable long term for people that like actually feed that beast. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, you know, that is a really like that is one of the best concepts at least in my opinion it's it's all about what you believe in there and there may be listeners on this podcast that may not want that they may may not give two craps about an open metaverse or like you know they may not ever create on the platform they may just go to consume and so yeah. they may not really care about that why should they care you know so obviously if i wasn't a creator if i didn't if i wasn't trying to build something for myself there might you know there might be a world where like i would choose that over a clunkier you know uh, metaverse that we're kind of like building grassroots. I wouldn't see the value <laughs> in that, you know? Yeah. So again, this is an and versus or culture and, and we're, we're just stating like based on where we want to see this go, like what we really believe in and where we choose to participate. And just like the whole idea of freedom is that you can choose <laughs> the, yeah. the market will choose. There's not a bad option. Like you're going to, you, you just choose based on what you believe in and what you want to do. The, the really interesting concept like where I started to really dive into um, this open metaverse was the idea of digital land in these metaverses is still like, I'm not really bullish on digital land, right? Like mm. I'm not, yeah. like I'm not, <laughs> I don't buy into like the artificial scarcity of land. Cause you can just go print more land. And like, I, yeah. I just, I just don't see it. Right. That's the yeah. one thing within this ecosystem that I just, maybe I'm missing something, but I just don't see it. Um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really strike me as something valuable where I'd want to put all my money in, um, or I'd want to make a significant investment in now punks, punks, uh, uh, or six, five, we'll call him six, five, two, nine, his, and just to back up a little bit, you may be wondering like, who is punk six, five, two, nine. The reality right, is, right. Hey, Seuss and I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah. And, and you may be asking <laughs> why the hell are you trusting someone with a crypto punk profile picture 
that right. you've never met, you've never seen credit, like you've never seen anything that he's done or who he is or how much, what he's involved in. That's the point of digital yeah. identities is that people and now the rise of pseudonymous cultures is not something that's fully adopted and there's advantages and disadvantages to it, but it takes bias away because humans will always have a natural bias yeah. of, of like other people and you it's part of being a human being and like by you know like it's it's you're naturally going to judge a book by its cover every single time you're going to make assumptions based on your own experience about who this person is what they're doing and what your perception of them is right. so what digital identities do is they take away that bias and they force you to look at the words that they're saying and the actions that they're taking true and so that's where i built conviction with 6529 because what the words that he is saying make sense and i have no predetermined bias of who this guy is how he votes how he participates how he does like i have no i can make some ideas and theories but i don't actually know there's no track record and there's no trace i don't need to have that the point is that that's not needed we've been screwed over by people who have been doxxed and that we that we have trusted yeah it it, it People will always do that. Like it doesn't, you know, so to say that the argument of like, you know, if you don't know, if you don't see them, if you don't know who they are, then you can't trust them. It's actually not like that. People being distrustful happens whether or not you know who they are or not. It doesn't True. matter. But True. you get to look at the words that this person's saying and what actions they're taking. So I just want to clear that's something I thought about when you're like, they're like, yeah. who is this? Like, why are right. we, why are we idolizing this? Like, you know, like eight bit JPEG, you know, that, yeah. that like, <laughs> <laughs> that he bought for like three hundred thousand um, dollars. Yeah. So and 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 not not even really idolizing, right? But just like we really enjoy yeah. his ideas and what he's perfect, like what he's putting yeah. out there. Yeah. And so like going back to this thread, right? He O, o M Open Metaverse, and, and actually thank you for that because it, it's in the it's in the tweet, but I didn't make the, the link. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the the goal is a decentralized open metaverse that can scale to a hundred million people, and I think that's actually a really big thing there. From like a mm. software engineering standpoint, it's not easy to build like huge networking spaces on the internet for people that are performing and people can actually interact with. So he breaks it down into 10 cities of 10 million each, each with hundreds of districts with towns, villages, and nature in between. Right. Now, I, again, this is not exactly what he's talking about and I'll get into it more later, but it reminds me a lot of like Ready Player One kind of status. Yep. But I like this vision actually better then Ready Player One and the Oasis, and there's a good reason why it's all on all on this thread. Yep, yep. And and to to dive in a, to just take it one level further because there's we don't have enough time left on this podcast to go into this entire thread. So we're gonna we're gonna pick and choose some yeah. of the 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 po topics that would probably make the most sense to you um, as right. a listener and and what is really valuable. And so you mentioned districts and how this thing is built out and how it's structured. And you know the idea of this is to actually build a token token-based society you know what i mean and that's that's kind of like the the goal here and and if i'm now that now that i'm thinking about it the bridge to reality i'm starting to see maybe what he's trying to accomplish is a token yeah. token-backed society like in real life or governed token governed society in real life um that's but I, I i think yeah. the the less scarier version though of this is om's vision right where it's not like for instance like we mentioned before it's not the yep. ccp creating a token-based society right and then judging you based off that and and things like yep. that but this is a yep. little more this is different this is exactly different. 
So we're going back to my original thing of I don't really buy into the idea of like scarce land going for astronomical value in, in the digital world. I just I don't again, I don't see the concept. I'm It, it may be there. There may be value like I just yeah. <laughs> call it stubbornness. Call it just like I don't believe in it. I just don't know. I don't get it. Um, yeah. Call it I'm, I'm a boomer, you know, whatever. But <laughs> um, instead of scarce lands, the in this thread, it introduces the concept of memes over land. Like yes. memes over land and to yeah. just to do from a very high level, what a meme is, is essentially a social contract, right? Right. A meme is a social contract. Why do we get together and spend thousands and thousands of dollars to watch people run around on a wood floor, throwing a round ball into a hoop? Hey, why? Why? It's the meme basketball. Yeah. It's, it is a social contract. Basketball yeah. is a meme football. That is one of the dumbest things when you describe that simply. A bunch of dudes with a, a bunch of pads hitting mm. each other with a really and, and and they're throwing around a really odd shaped ball made that out of that bounces skin. all over the place. That yeah. bounce that that doesn't have any clear. It does it doesn't perform logically in the world. Like it, it it yeah it doesn't do anything that it's supposed to do. It's really weird. Yeah. Why do we idolize that? It, there's no real reason. It's just the fact that we socially agree that this is something we like to do and rally around and build a community around. Right. You look at countries. Countries are memes. The words that represent countries are memes. Crypto is a mm. meme. Decentralization is a meme. So you look at communities are formed around memes. And when a big event happens, we're actually talking about this offline. When a big event happens, all of the memes are what, can, you know, and, 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 you know, then there's like the, the, the gifts and the pictures and the text and the things that say what we're trying like they express so much more what we're trying to say than words or just images by themselves could actually do you know right. well i guess images you know i take that back but just more than words could actually do you know but yeah. there's the what memes are is not just the funny things you send back and forth to your friends but their ideas and their concepts that people rally around you know pepe obviously is a meme you know like right. There, right. There, there's there is it for good or worse there, there is there is meme everything is a meme like podcasting is a meme you know, like it's can, it, and can you sorry, just, can yep. you just uh, define that meme thing again? Because I don't want people to confuse that. Yep. What I thought means are just the images we send that yep. are funny. Yeah. Can so you think of it one more time. A meme is a social contract. It's social something contract. that we all agree upon. You know, right. it's 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 something that we agree upon, whether, you know, like and it's how community communities are memes, like the ideas that form these the you know, like. So I'm trying to think. Yeah. Outside of the sports one, you know, the American flag. Yeah, that's a meme. You know, there's, right. there's all these things baked into that American flag of like what that actually means. There's cultural significance. There's culture value. That is a socially agreed upon thing that we all believe in. Like right. We may not believe in all of it, but we believe it. Like we choose to live in this place that is backed by those values. That's backed by the history of that flag. All of the events, the things that took place. Goblin Town. That's a meme. Yeah. Right. Why Goblin Town pumps is because that is a that is a meme. That is an expression of of our cope. It's an expression of our needing to like exert humor to like make it through this of rallying yeah. together, like getting together around a certain topic event or anything. That's what a meme is. It's, it's gathering around an idea or a topic. So if you take that concept, people, I would rather buy land based on the meme of the social idea. What is the idea of this land? Why are we building this? What is the purpose of this? Not just because it's digital and scarce and this and that, but right. is this a is this a park? 
Is this a museum? What does this district do? What does it represent? What does it stand for? That is what I'm going to buy into. That's what people use to buy into stocks, to companies, to NFT projects, to crypto projects. It is who are the founders? What do they believe in? What are their ideals? You know, like why, like, cause do they align with mine? And that's what I'm going to choose to vote with my money on, right? That's and who I, I'm going to choose to support. And I, I, I love this aspect of, of his thread because it, he mentions, yeah, instead of going straight for the land and the scarcity, let's go for the memes, right. memes and the, the culture. There's that phrase for the culture, the memes yeah. introduce myth, the storytelling, and then you go to the land, right? That's right. And so it, it's it's ah, exactly. it's it's good stuff. It's really good stuff, and it's really exciting yep. because again, if you're here just as like if you're a screenwriter who listens to this podcast or a, a novelist who listens to this podcast, and you're like, why am I listening to this? Because you want to be a part <laughs> of the generation of this social contract and these myths, right. and that's where the value uh, for you might be in the right. in this whole discussion. The meme, starving artists. That's a meme. Yeah. Yep. And we're flipping that meme upside down and flipping right. it over on its head. Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's the destruction of memes to introduce new memes, new concepts, new ideas, things that people agree upon, things that people rally around. It's, it's a very interesting concept, the meme. Um, and 6529 has a thread on me, like has a whole, I think, I think he actually has one of his mega threads on memes in general, or it's a big part yeah. of one of his threads. But also to plug my podcast again, the one with Jack Butcher, again, yeah. that one's not for the faint of heart. You know, it's just like you've got to like, actually, you know what? I'd say even if you like are curious, like, and you don't know a whole lot, still listen to that one. Jack is a marvel <laughs> at what he does. Like he is one yeah. of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, true, true, brilliant. Like talk about mental models. He's he's one of the masters at that. Um, yeah. So we talk about a lot of memes and we talk about 6529 and we talk about, you know, some of the, you know, creative commons, you know, creative commons ownership, um, you know. A lot of that. So if you're curious about that, like this is just we, we we've gone on so many different tangents, you know, so but we kind of wanted to end it on this like idea of what the metaverse is. And to, right. to to go back to what I said, I'll double down on the initial statement is that one of the main purposes of these is to find your tribe faster. It allows you to find people you can be more human with. And if yes. that's not something like we're all searching for that community, like like right. we're like whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, like this is just a better way to do it. And it, like, yeah. regardless of your views on crypto or views on NFTs and like what prejudice you may have, you know, for against it, you can't agree that like, it's like people are finding tribes faster than ever. The internet, right. the internet has facilitated that and put it in rapid growth. And we're just adding these like cultural wacky wild layers and, you know, finance and all these other things on top of it. But at its, at its core, this is a technology to allow us to become more human with each other. And like, yeah, that's what this is all about, you know? Um, and NFTs play a massive, a massive role in that, a very important role in that because even when markets are down and like things that, you know, if you're into this, yeah. I'm not really into markets. Like I, yeah, I'm, no I'm being forced to learn about it just through this right. and following other smart people. Yeah. And like, I, like I'm learning about it. Like I'm dragging, they're dragging me kicking and screaming, but I'm learning about yeah. it. Right. Um, but this is what people rally around in good and bad times. This is yeah. a universal meme that culture is, you cannot, you can't reverse culture. Like you can't, you can't reverse it. You can't put the genie back in the bottle once it's out. Mm -hmm. Um, and people identify with this. There's again, going back to star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Like there's a, yeah, <laughs> It's culture, man. Like, yeah. like you cannot, like you can't, you can't put it back in the bottle. And 
you're going to find ridiculous fanatics like me who are going to argue things to the end of the earth. And even though they're completely non-factual, like they're not based in fact, it's just, it's based on the attachment and the value that culture brings to people. Well, not, not the end of earth, right? The end of the end of middle earth, right? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So it's, it, no that's what this, that's what gets me so excited is that to sum it all up, man, there's a, there's a lot of things that the, the, the main point, if you're going to take anything away from this is that this is shifting the power from companies and brands dictating the decisions to everyday people dictating the decisions. Yes. It's not yes. that brands are bad or evil or this, they are very important. Like I want to make that really clear. Like it's, I get a lot of value from buying products from beard brand. Like Nike is a great brand. Adidas is a great brand. You know, yeah. Starbucks, even though they send $7, like charge $7 coffee, there's a reason why they can do that. They, they provide yeah. value, you know, great. like, uh, so brands are great. But the, the reality is that the creatives, the people who arguably control, like who really give the universe its backbone are now in control and they should have been the entire time. So mm. it's the rightful place for creatives to be and creatives yeah. control the narrative. And you have the, uh, we, this is why it's so special is that we have the opportunity to control the narrative. You'll see right. punk six, five, two, nine, always tweet about seize the memes of production. Right? Seize the memes, memes of production. Right. Wow. Seize the memes of production. Wow. Nice. There's a lot in that sentence. And he's very, yeah. that is, that's a meme in and of itself. Right? If you really right. want to get heady and like make your mind explode. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, he always talks about don't let the corporations steal our JPEGs. Yeah. Because people who control the memes control the universe. Mm, Elon wow. said, like, you look at Elon. Like, like he, could, he is one of the arguably one of the smartest people in the entire world. Okay, yeah, he's a he's he's a shit poster, right? Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's why people like love him or hate him. Like, he, he doesn't yeah. take himself seriously. He shit posts, but he's also at the head of innovation for like, he's right. literally building some of the greatest products the world has ever seen. You know what I mean? True. And True. so it, that's again, man. That that's that's what we're trying to do here. But we have the opportunity to take that, and the more we hold on to those bags, the more we hold on to these cultural assets. You know, we have we control the narrative. And so as long as we're in control of the narrative, brands can play. Brand partnerships are really valuable, you know, like, yeah. but th we set the terms. Right. That's, that's the idea here. That's the special part of it. And we control it through technology. We control it through code. Because the reality is that there's like, I think, three to 400,000 active wallets. And there's like trillions of dollars that have been transacted yeah. and created. That right. like, we've created this seemingly out of nowhere. Right out of nowhere <laughs> like right. we just and satoshi invented monopoly money on the internet and yeah. vitalik said okay let's add programs on top of it and right. now now we have something that can't be stopped and just right? imagine we get like we get to that first billion wallets right oh it's yeah. gonna be massive insane it's already coming yeah. man it's already coming yeah. but um jesus it's been a treat um thank you this, man. man yeah thank you so much buna let's plug you uh one more time where can people find you and get at, get at you and look at your content and we'll, we'll yep. have links in the show notes for sure yeah 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 so um twitter i don't i don't use any other app social app but twitter um i only use instagram for the memes um you yeah know, like i just i i have one person that i we dm instagram memes to so that's really all i use twitter uh, instagram for anymore um so twitter it's going to be at buna uh eth eth um so you know i love ethereum i'm not against any other chains i just love ethereum 
Um, yeah. It's just where I choose to transact most of my, my art. Um, and uh, if you're looking for my content, bonafide.com, super simple. Right. Um, right. Link is directly in my Twitter. Uh, I, I share a lot of, you know, just, I share a lot of my posts, share a lot of artists. Um, and anyone that I retweet, it's, um, I don't retweet lightly. I don't, you know, I don't, I choose whether it's a funny post or a meme, you know, like most of the people I tweet, tweet out are very trustworthy and like provide something valuable here. So again, that's Twitter and then bonafide.com. Um, Bunaeth is the, is the, as that handle. And, you know, if you're looking for the podcast, if you don't want to go on the website directly, it's just the Bunafide the bonafide experience on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, any audio platform and, and YouTube. So wh- wherever you, whatever your way to consume is. Yeah. I've got you covered. All right. Well, Buna, again, thank you so much for being on the Must Create podcast, man. We really appreciate you. Everyone go check them out and, uh, you know, keep staying lusty, my friend. Take care. That is it for this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast. Buna, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure learning more about you and about NFTs. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. We have some exciting guests planned, some interesting topics to discuss. And once we actually have some time to do some binge watching, we will be giving outtakes. We will be giving our takes on films, TV shows, and possibly some video games. So you definitely don't want to miss out. And if you want to be featured as a guest on our show, you can email us at themustycreative at gmail.com and tell us your story. A big thanks to our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast. If you want to become a financial supporter of our show, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash mustycreative and help us make the show even better. That's all the time we have for it. Remember to leave us a review on any podcasting platform you can think of and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now it is time to shower up. Give them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.